Who is it? Yeah. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blogcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2016. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Testing sperm, count. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blogcast, where we'd rather listen to a great performance that was recorded poorly than a well-captured recording that is gridded and stripped of dynamics. This is the first episode of our podcast for 2016. Happy New Year, dudes. Uh, you're with Cabra and Ash, as usual, and you're obviously off to a great start to the day if you are listening to this at 4.20 in the morning. How's things today, Ash? Good start to the year or what? Pretty excellent start. Had a power metal pool party yesterday at your house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was at that too. What did you think? Oh, I've got a power metal hangover today. There was so much power metal, it was going for about 12 hours at least. Yeah. And I was a pretty hot day. Well, it wasn't too hot, but got to mid-30s sort of degrees. A few people around, a lot of music chat, which was always good. I had fun, man. And it was good to see a few local characters and have some seriously nerdy chats with people yeah. and stuff. It was good. I feel like I haven't been to a whole lot of gigs lately. There hasn't been that many local ones on over here in Perth, Australia. So um, it's always good to catch up with the music community uh, and chat metal, really, because you know, we've all got our friends outside of metal as well but you can't always talk about the finer things in life like power metal or production or any sort of nerdy shit so it's good to do that any netty shit what are we doing today on this little podgeroo last last episode i think we went over all the um the shit we did uh, in terms of touring and whatnot i guess yep um and we've sort of yeah touched on where we're at with the new album writing in that Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll be recording that over the coming months Looking forward to having that out in uh, this 2016 year. Yep. Don't know if there's many takeaways or anything just yet on on my end, is there? Uh, I'm hazy as fuck at the moment, so... Yeah, pretty... Yeah, I I understand that. Help me out. I think um, some of the things that have just sprung up for moi, takeaways from the year, was that I think I'm going into this year really confident in like my playing and our playing as a band because Mm -hmm. jamming again regularly and i don't know quite when we started that maybe it was may or something may or june roughly yeah and um yeah just jamming every single week has been the biggest revelation for me like yeah why did we ever stop doing that no i think it's been a really positive thing and i guess um that does make me think that I guess we've sort of gone in cycles, right? So you finish writing and recording your album and then you go and you tour and you play shows and all that. And then you just, we sort of just snuck into the trap of stopping jamming, like you said, and completely stopping writing and just being in tour mode. Yep. And then this time around, we went to go back into writing mode and it is a kind of a big transition. It's it's nice actually to not have to worry about practicing your older songs anymore and not having to worry about gigs coming up on the weekend or anything and just writing, but... I think, well, over the last six months at least, we've started to get our, probably our songwriting a bit more refined and, and better sort of process and it's starting to work well now. But I feel like if we didn't actually stop writing at any point, it may just flow even better. So I'd, I'd almost be hesitant to to stopping jamming or stopping writing even once the album's out. Yeah, man. Would you agree with that? Totally. And with how prolific you know, our band is in its members in terms of writing. I don't see why we couldn't be a soil work and just release an album every single year, you know, or at least be picky about the songs we put on an album instead of just 
completing a writing cycle and that's it. Yes, I mean, if we can smash out, say, 10 songs in a year or 12 songs in a year or whatever in the lead-up to a new album, imagine if you just did that the whole time. I, I know it's not as easy while, whilst you're touring and, and playing heaps of gigs and that, but still, I mean, you'd have double the amount of songs, I guess, when it comes to album time. Yeah. Um, and then you can, you do have the, the luxury of being a bit more selective with choosing your best songs and you probably have a better feel as to how the songs are sounding and... and yeah, I guess what sort of style you want to go for, what works and what doesn't and all that. Mm, I'm actually looking forward to not playing gigs for months as well. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been months and it's been good. Yeah, I just... Um, You're not missing it in any way? Like, of course, it's fun to do. It's fun to do, but I do think that um, having a time away from it is might really... Um, I don't know. It feels like we take time off and like we won't gig for this amount of time and then we just come back and play the same old set. So what's the fucking point? So I would Mm -hmm. like to come back with like a seriously new set and, you know, something to give to the world instead of just another Claim the Throne performance. I was going to get McDonald's takeaway today and then I I was going to talk about our year in digital distro. People often ask... Um, about especially Spotify people always say you know how much do you actually earn from a song stream and I don't know because people feel like they want to spend $10 a month on your Spotify or iTunes music or something so that they're you know helping the artist or contributing in some form um, instead of downloading it illegally um, but you never really know the answer to tell people how much you earn you actually have no fucking idea but um the last 12 months, I signed us up to, well, just with Forged in Flame, our latest album, onto um, Reverb Nation Digital Distro. And I only started looking into it last week because they slugged a $50 fee out of our account out of nowhere. I was like, what's this about? It's obviously automatically rolled us over into the next year because the first year they do it for 20 bucks, and then the second, you know, every year after that is 50 So I started looking into it and, and that and... um. You know, where that's a lot of money really to be paying, I guess. But um, and then, yeah, but they do have stats and stuff in the in the page, and it looked like we'd earned uh, 143 US dollars for the year, which isn't really that much, but it's still more than I guess what you're actually paying in the initial outlay to get them to distribute your album on iTunes and Spotify and Amazon, etc. Um, but I've never actually seen a cent out of it. It just says there how much we've earned. So I got in touch with them and stuff and turns out you have to actually withdraw the money like you would on PayPal. So I figured out how to do that and so we've got a bit more money in our account. Uh, does it tell you... Thanks to that, which is cool. How many streams is worth... Uh, certainly does. So that's what I thought might be interesting. To give you an idea of what our 143 US dollars was made up of, um, let's pick a song, for example... And we'll go with A Grand Destruction. That had 802 streams over the year. And three sales of that song. $5.79. So, I don't have a calculator here, but that is not much money. So, it's not even, you know, you don't don't get a dollar a stream or you don't get anything like that. It's, you know, a few cents per stream, really. (laughs) So, to put that in context... 800 streams at five bucks we made. Our other albums we've still got on Bandcamp. 
which you just upload yourself and you do your streams and sales directly from there. If we get one sale of an album, that's five bucks or ten bucks straight out. So all it takes is for one sale and you earn just as much as you would off 800 streams of your songs on Spotify and iTunes. Cabba, that's about uh-huh. 0.6 of a cent per song. Yeah, per stream. Per stream, sorry, yeah. Pretty crazy. So, but <clears throat> we've got about the same amount of streams for every song on the album. Um, it's quite funny because the first four or five songs on the album have eight to 900 streams each, and then from there it goes, starts going on the downward spiral to four or 500 sort of streams and then at the end it's starting to get to 200 so people must listen to the album from the start uh, and then just get a bit tired after the after halfway through Zephyrus has the most streams 900 and something probably because it's got the music video and all that and it's got a couple of sales um, but yeah still only five bucks really for that song so yeah averaging a few dollars a song Really, over twelve month period. Interesting. Hey, dude, um, what about um, hmm. let's say a song like In Valor. Now this is interesting because if you had an album that had a five second uh, sort of linking track between your main songs, then perhaps people would be streaming that with the album, which would essentially double your earnings for that album. Does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no, no. I was more just saying, like, compared to Forged in Flame, what's the first album doing stream-wise? Do people put up with it? Uh, I'm not sure because the albums in the past, we've gone through um, actual distro companies and they really haven't sent us any figures and stuff despite asking for it and they sort of say, oh, yeah, we're just waiting for a few things to be finalised and we'll send it through and they never do. Um, which is why we sort of, with this album, got out of who we were with before and I just wanted to try and see if we could do it ourselves online, Um, which is better because at least now we can actually see data and can actually get money, even if it's not a lot. Um, But at least we have full self-management of it. Um, But I guess the difference with the other ones as well is that they are all on Bandcamp, but I don't think we've got Forged in Flame on Bandcamp. So, yeah, but they all are still on iTunes and whatever, I'm pretty sure. Um, But I don't know where that money is, to be honest, or where any of the stats is. So that's something we've got to look into to see who's actually looking after that for us. Would you recommend that we stick to this Reverb Nation with all our albums in future? Well, it would depend on what deal you get. Like if we happen to get a decent record label, uh, be interested in us for the next album, then... I don't know, it would depend. You'd have to sort of look at all your options at that point. Uh, but if you couldn't get signed to anyone, then yeah, totally. Seems good to me. It is a bit of money to outlay, so you'd have to be confident that you're going to at least make that back, I would say. Um, but there are a few other options online. You can go to like through um, TuneCore, I think, is one of the biggest ones, um, where you yeah, pretty much upload your album and all the details and stuff to them, and then they manage the distribution throughout all the online um uh, platforms and then yeah so I think going through websites like that is cool because you can just access access the stats whenever you want and look at it and you don't have to rely on someone else who's probably essentially doing the same thing with your music anyway so you're sort of bypassing your middleman 
um, but you don't have that extra person who would have uh, all the extra push and contacts, I guess, with um, promoting it for you a bit extra. Um, but in our case, I think it's probably been the best option for the last 12 months, so I was happy to fork the money to do it again this year. And, uh, yeah. What do you want? I know we've probably mentioned this at the start and the middle of the year, but at the start of 2016, with this new album, Imminent, what would you rather independent distro a la prime cuts or something like that or a label a european label or something like that which would you prefer and why in our position yeah a proper major label um only because that would be in line with i guess our touring objectives um yeah because in the past with the independent labels and stuff, which has been fine, but they can't get you onto festivals or tours or anything like that generally. Whereas a major label will probably take you on board with the proviso that you're willing to do a certain number of tours and whatever, and they would have the contacts. And as soon as you're signed up to that label, you're pretty much guaranteed perhaps the odd festival appearance and that sort of thing, which to me is really important because we haven't ever done that, and that would be probably the final tick off the touring goals list mm-hmm. um, good good answer I like it yeah but obviously there's going to be negatives as well and we've had the discussions in the past where you might lose a lot of the ownership or um, rights or flexibility by going through a major label but I, I mean I really couldn't comment on that because we haven't done it before to be honest um, and independence cool because you, well, I assume you probably have a bit more control and might get a higher cut of all of your sales, but you probably won't sell as much, so it might not work out too crazily different. Um, okay, let me know. roll that into another question. Thoughts? If I was um, to do some music, I love the idea for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah? Um, just fucking around, recording songs that I write and... I don't even know if I want to put them out there. Maybe just email them to you, you know? I enjoy that DIY thing a lot and sort of, I guess, like what Owen's doing, you know? Like just living his life as a man writing songs about surfing, basically, and farms. Um, That's not really a question, is it, at all? Well, I'm assuming what you're getting at would be that... um a label and distribution outlook would have absolutely no relevance to that scenario whatsoever. And But if you did decide that you wanted to put it out there so people could listen to it if they want, then then you'd probably be best to just not even look for any labels at all. And, and just, just do that Reverb Nation thing that you're doing. Perhaps, yeah. I, I guess the main thing about that is even who gives a fuck if you make money or not off that, but at least your stuff is available on iTunes and Spotify um, because that's where everyone goes and that's where the, a lot of people are going to find your music. Um, so cool in that regard. Uh, would it be worth doing? Maybe, yeah. If you wanted your shit on iTunes and Spotify, then this Reverb Nation one would be sick, I reckon. Um, if you don't care about that, then just stick with Bandcamp and your big cartels and those sort of things and just have it all done yourself. Um, where people, you know, you can tell them directly about your music and tell them where they can get it and then they can go and buy it and you'll get a a bigger cut of the sale, Um, but you won't have as much exposure, I guess. 
But if you don't care about releasing it, then don't even worry about any of it. Just enjoy making the music, having the tunes and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, another big takeaway from the year is this is you and I come from a time where bands used to get signed and would make money or the potentials there to make large amounts of money if there was a following gathered. But because the music industry has changed, people are now trying to game the industry. And it's really fucking shit. And we've talked about it a fair bit. It's like if a musician writes a song in the forest, does anyone hear? <laughs> you know, like there's there's so many bands out there releasing stuff and, hey, check out my new film clip and, hey, do this and just get hammered by people on social media especially. And everything just kind of gets lost and you just wonder, is anyone... Like, look, we made a 140 bucks this year off streaming and that amount of streams back in bloody, well, it wouldn't even be streams, but back in the like, um, whatever it is, early 2000s, if we'd sold that many singles or something like that for each of our songs, we would be a success story. But now it just doesn't happen. And big artists, I can't remember who it was, somebody had a million streams and made five grand or something <laughs> like something crazy like yeah. that you know you see, it kind of gets to a point where well i like your answer before like we'd get on a major label not to make money not to quit our jobs and do music for a living as cool as that would be more just to be given the opportunity to play our music to lots of people or to enter a market and you can look at it from two perspectives one marketing and you could enter the European market or two, just open yourselves up to fans just to show them, hey, we wrote these songs and we can play them live. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a crazy thing. And there's a lot of this fucking bullshit industry talk out there where, you know, you've got a, and we've talked about this too. People I know used to write three and a half minute songs because they know that that's what radio would like to play mm. or that kind of shit or like, people are happy to make compromises um, and it's so much easier to not make compromises these days because there's just no telling what's going to be a viral hit or go around the world. Like I saw a video this morning, fuck, I, the guy's face looked like an opened can of beans <laughs> and it was him reacting to like a TV show and that's got like a million hits. Mm-hmm. And, and the other week we were talking about Miles Away getting a million hits from a Qantas video, like, mm. and you can monetize that and blah, 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 blah. There's, there's using the industry to sort of give yourself mobility around the world and then there's using the industry to get you to work. Who, who's that guy? The guy from Thy Is Murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm quitting because I want to... Um, make money for my family and I made no money off headlining tours and then the opposite is with that Neb Liviscaris guy I'm quitting a million dollar a year job to tour with Neb Liviscaris it always seems to be about money how much is a hobby how much is money does money justify what you do I guess yeah with the Thailand's murder one that's like whatever he said they he, he got a cut of 16 grand or whatever for himself for the year but these guys don't have other jobs, right? So he's in his 30s now and he's got a family and he's got kids. So he needs to get a job um, to be able to to support him and stuff, which I get. Um, so, But then the issue is if they're going to be so actively touring and stuff like they do, 
mm-hmm. he can't have a job and do that. So you've got to decide whether you want $15,000 a year and tour awesome shows and have a blast like that or do you want to not be touring that much and earn more and in support. a different job? Um, so I guess you'd find you're lucky if you are in a, a popular band like that in your early 20s, for example, when you can just go all out and if you make enough money to not die, then awesome. <laughs> um, but as soon as it gets to the point where you've got a family and stuff, you, you can't really be touring 10 months of the year, you know? Yeah, and chatting to guys in uh, when we played Hammersonic, was that this year or last year? Oh, that last, was last year at least. Like 2014. Chatting to King Parrot guys and talking like, hey, how the hell do you sustain your livelihood being in the States for six weeks in a row, back in Australia for two weeks and then touring again for another six weeks? Like, how, how does it work? Yeah, they're making what I'd call sacrifices insofar as they're sleeping on strangers' couches, eating, you know, like everyone tells you in some Asian countries, stay away from the street food that they sell near the sewer. Whereas these guys were like, I'm happy to take the risk for 50 cents to get fed um, because that yeah. that gives me an extra, let's say that gives me an extra couple of days that I don't have to think about money for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and think, things like that and also like transient work. So we know it with our own buddy, Jim, who plays bass for Claim of Throne. He just works when he can work. Like right now, he worked over uh, New Year's and stuff because it was available. And then he'll go on tour with Disentune and he'll do stuff uh, with us whenever we sort it out. And sometimes he misses some things because, you know, he's got to sum it up. Do I do I go for money now or do I go for touring? Do I record this album now or do I um, work and earn cash? And it's a pretty crazy lifestyle and you've really got to go all in to mm. get it to work, right? Totally. So you'd think, I don't know, if you're in someone's position like the Vida's murder vocalist, whether he's able to talk to the other guys and go hey look i can't do this anymore i want to keep writing music i want to still be in a band and keep doing this but can't just constantly tour anymore unfortunately and i don't know i mean can they obviously they they may not have been willing to do that or maybe he didn't want to do that but you could always just completely strip it back stop touring say you know i'm willing to tour two months of the year so that I can keep a full-time job and then um, I still want to be creative and I still want to experiment writing tunes and all that sort of stuff, I guess. But they're going to make less money as a band, but more money personally, I guess. But then, yeah, they just don't get to or tour as much as they'd like. There's a Socroptic example where, you know, those guys work some jobs and a couple of them have families and stuff and they get offered a good tour, so they do it. And if someone can't make it, they get a fill-in for the tour. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah. I can see how people, fans maybe would go, oh, that sort of sucks, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, fans lose members and gain members and all the time. So mm-hmm. I remember seeing Queens of the Stone Age, uh, I think it was Big Day Out, just after Songs for the Deaf. And I was expecting Dave Grohl to come out and play drums. And then he didn't. And it was, it <laughs> yeah. was Joey Castillo. And I was disappointed. But then he fucking kicked ass and it was a great show. So I didn't care. Uh, anyway, I'm sick of talking about money. Who cares about that anymore? What else? This year for me, I didn't really listen to too much new music. A bunch of really good albums came out in 2015 and I listened to them and none of them got regular rotation except for one album. Um, And I actually found myself listening to a lot of the same albums, but just from the past. So I reckon we do a bit of an album of the year list Mm -hmm. and um, 
trade stories. So as in albums that came out this year or just whatever you've been listening to this year? Yep. Your album of the year, regardless of year. What is the best album, Cabba, that came out in 2015? Album of the year has to be the one that me and you've been crapping on about every episode probably for the last 12 months, which is the new Ahab album, The Boats of the Glen Carrig. I assume that's probably your number one too. It is number one of the year. It's a ripper, that one. Uh, honorable mention for me would be the new Amorphous album, Under the Red Cloud, only because I've been I've listened to that more than anything else this year. I probably assume mm-hmm. uh, it's just really catchy as fuck, and it's really good in the car. So um, wow. yeah, good to crank that in there. Um, never really liked their early stuff at all, and then only sort of started getting into them with the last couple of albums. Uh, nothing that spectacular in their musicianship or anything, but just really solid songwriting and um, really interesting to listen to, really catchy, good sound. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Sweet. Album surprised me. Wait, what's your honourable mention? Okay, this is where you and me really get to a fork in the road. <laughs> I couldn't name another album that came out in 2015. New Forefather? Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't listened to that? Uh, I've listened to it, but that that's my whole thing is I've listened to so much shit that's come out this year and okay. it's all been good, but yep. I've found myself listening to much more of um, stuff that came out either last year or even in in the past. Cool. So, for so me, what's your most listened to album despite release date? Probably Agalock from 2014. Cool. Serpent and the Spear. I listened to that. Spear? Sphere. I listened to that fucking heaps all the time yep. man and an honorable mention of something that is a bit of left of field would actually be at the gates slaughter of the soul is that weird no no that's wicked especially with slaughter of the soul it's interesting um i will always bring get that out every now and again um sometimes just for the sound just to remind me what a riff is supposed to sound like and what good distortion is and that sort of thing and so i just enjoy it for that and yeah, just as a reminder of, and I do it with some other albums as well. Your dissection, Storm of the Lights, Bane, and some early Sewer Dark Regis to remind me of what sort of wanted to accomplish with Claim the Throne, even, and not sort of get off track with um with too much new stuff. Sometimes, as much as I love keeping up with the latest in metal as well, but good to have a balance, I think. Yeah, man, you couldn't have summed it up better. That's the only reason I listen to those sort of things. And I, what and what I like about you is all of the new albums I listen to. Uh, and I mentioned this the other week, are ones that you've recommended or they've been your album of the week. So, <laughs> New Forefather, that's a given, of course. That was wicked. New Ahab, again. Um, something like The New Swallow of the Sun, I checked that out. That was fucking awesome. So, what what about your unusual album of the year? Uh, probably, well, I'll give you one that came out this year and one that didn't. Uh, the New Symphony X album blew my dick off a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned yep. it on this show. It's called Underworld. Uh, yeah, I've never really listened to it much before, but took it on a recommendation from someone. So I was like, oh, I'll check it out. And absolutely loved it. That was on the Power Metal Pool Party yesterday. It was and heaps. It, yeah, I think I pointed it out to you. Yeah, I was sitting there going, man, this guitar tone sounds wicked. And you go, this is New Symphony X. Ah, yeah. okay. Awesome. Yeah, love the production on it. And yeah. the performance by all the members is just second to none as well. The vocals are just out of control. They're really catchy, but just so good in all sorts of ways. Um, so really love that and I'm looking forward to going through their back catalogue over the next few months probably and catching up on everything that I've missed out on with them. Um, and then the other thing I've been listening to a lot this year, which is just really left field for me, was um, Catatonia. I've been cranking them heaps. 
uh, and probably prefer their newer stuff, to be honest. I've been listening to Dead End King's album, which is just, I don't know, just clicked with me for some reason. Really love the sound of the vocals and um, the brooding sort of guitars. It's almost like a tool-sounding thing, but just a more uh, Scandinavian metal-influenced version, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, been cranking that a lot this year. And only other one I'll mention, perhaps that I think is worthy of getting album of the year on all sorts of webzines and whatever, even though it's not on the top of my list or anything, but I think the new cattle decapitation, uh, I can't even pronounce the album title, but, um, I think that they've sort of found their sound and it's sounds really, um, I don't know. They've just got their own sound. It's one of these things where you can hear it and you just know exactly what band it is. He's experimented with a new clean vocal style thing, which is really, really cool and really different um so they're just going out on a limb and doing their own thing and not trying to sound like everyone else i guess so uh, i think that would be a pretty popular one in the metal world yeah i think they have gone out on a lime and we listened to a bunch of it on tour i think over east you or jim or both of you suggested we put it on yeah jim's big into it yeah Mm. and i gotta say i was really surprised and he said that he really liked the new sort of clean but not clean scream <laughs> that he yeah. does now which is really different and yeah i appreciate that when a band does something sort of like when psychoptic started doing that <laughs> you know like it's just something that's at first you're like what the fuck is this and then this grows a little bit i think in 2016 i'm going to discover a lot of stuff that came out last year yeah and i guess the other thing is how the hell do you find out about new music through cabba if- and this podcast so how the hell do i find out about it I have no idea, and I'm always impressed. I think I always go on that website. Um, <laughs> fuck, you're funny. I go on <laughs> that website, um, Metal Storm, because is that what it's called? I think Metal Storm. They've got it set out um, in ways that you can filter things, and I really love how that website's set out because you can search by year, for example, and you can search by genre of metal. And then people actually rank the albums and review them and give them a star rating as well. So if you searched like 2012 folk metal, it'd give you the top albums from that year from their listeners and stuff. So for 2000, whatever year we're in, I normally go to that website every few months when I'm ready to check out something new and I'll just see what the most sort of popular metal albums have been or the the most um, highly rated ones. And I'll just sift through a few, I'll stream a few songs on YouTube I guess, until I hear one that sort of clicks with me and then I'll listen to it a bit more. Hmm. If I really dig it, I'll go grab the CD or whatever and take it from there, I guess. But in Facebook as well, I, t- I try to like a lot of bands on Facebook if if they're bands that I do like so that I sort of hear updates as they come as well. So should our website of the year be Metal Storm? I guess so. Yeah. Although you haven't been to it. Look, people who are listening to this podcast right now uh, are thinking, yeah, of course, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. But... I only take part in it so I can also be informed by Cabba of what to mm-hmm. listen to and where to be pointed for all of my music marketing tips. <laughs> um, you know, like seriously, man, I find out so much fucking shit from you. And mm. all I all I put into the mix is like, so this morning I got a coffee down at the fucking art gallery <laughs> and then I cruised to work and then I came home. And I played on my Mark Hawkins multi-scale seven-string for about four hours. I listened to uh, Bellacore's Stone's Reach on uh, multiple platforms, and then I uh, got the new Bobby Yaskinski book. 
So, but it does make me think how people hear about us, which I would like to know. And I've asked people a few times, where the hell did you hear about Claim the Throne? And I guess if they're in Perth, it's just one of the things you just hear about whoever's playing the most gigs or whatever, or who's done doing something different. Um, but overseas, I'm not too sure. And that would be one of the things with um, the record label stuff. You know, they push it to different markets that we wouldn't be able to access otherwise. But um, I think social media has been interesting because we've been experimenting with different Twitter hashtags. And uh, I still don't get what the fuck they are, man. A hashtag? Hashtag Bandit. Well, it's one of those things. Who the hell knows whether people actually search for things via hashtags? I think they do. Um, on Instagram, they're particularly cool because you can go, I don't know, if we share a post for this podcast and episode fucking 40-whatever of the Clem Throne podcast, we talk about finding out new bands and then you can go hashtag and maybe music marketing or whatever. But if you start typing music, it'll populate um, example hashtags and it will show you how many photos or how many times that hashtag has been used uh, or how many views it gets so you know what is the right hashtag to use. Um, so they would have done their own analytics on what people search for. So if people perhaps want to find out a new band on Twitter, they might just search folk metal. And then if you've used a hashtag folk metal in any of our posts, they would find it, hopefully if you know what I mean, or they might search new albums 2015 and then if you have hashtagged that when you advertise your own album, it should show up every now and again depending how much stuff has sort of come through. It would obviously get lost amongst the clutter of crap of other albums that have come out, but if you're clever about your hashtags, you can often keep them at the top So in the hope that someone will search for it and retweet it or whatever. The only ones I ever see are hashtag level up and hashtag tour life. And yeah, and that's the other thing. It's funny, like people just do it as a joke or to mm. extenuate what they're trying to say on the tweet or the post. Yeah, fuckwits. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is the coolest thing that happened to you music-wise this year, Cabba? Oh, got to be our American tour. That was great, hey. Getting getting to play on 70,000 tons of metal was obviously a, a musical highlight. Fuck, I forgot about that. But then just, just the whole jamming weekly thing and getting new songs written is is highly rewarding and highly enjoyable as well the fact that we're still doing a podcast is pretty cool yeah get to chat shit with you every week which is always good yeah that is good i've really enjoyed writing this year man like Mm. the whole thing Mm. like being like a member of the band and just being presented with stuff to like hey do drums to this is fucking awesome and also the freedom to do some um guitar writing as well yeah. It's pretty cool. And I like how we've all, like I had a riff that just sort of, for me, just went absolutely nowhere. And I know Jesse said, hey, I've got something that'll fit with that. And even the other day you said, I said, hey, man, listen to this. It's fucking shit. And you go, <laughs> you go, oh, I know how to make this better. Give it to me. And, you know, like it's it's really cool like that. Everyone's yep. sort of um, pitching around and it just feels really cool, which is yep. why I don't care that we're not playing gigs because I'm really enjoying it the writing process yeah awesome no i agree with that as well and even if the album comes out and the songs aren't actually as good as what we feel that they are then i won't be too disheartened or whatever because i think in the long term it'll be a positive thing and eventually we will have an album that's just <laughs> rip off that's actually the, um, good you know the, the process that we've got got used to and stuff so yeah no it's been been really cool and yeah i think you know working as with a group of people is just makes the whole world a difference um, than trying to come up with everything by yourself. 
Uh, one of the other awesome things that has happened is Stephen Slate drums, I would say for me. Yeah. Whether I got that last year though, maybe I'm not sure. But um, that's been fun to muck around with and just pump out better quality demos, I guess. Thanks to my mate Largy helping me set up a little DIY uh, home studio thingy. That's working really well, man. Because yeah, you're pretty much presenting whole songs. Present them. And it's allowing me to kind of just listen to stuff and then d- put my own spin on it drum-wise and you've just dumped in MIDI grooves and, yeah, works. I like it. It works pretty well. Yeah, I love that it can sort of pump out an entire song and then you know sit down with it, with band members on separate occasions and get feedback and then the song still has its transform- transformations that it undergoes. And then you get to jam and we start jamming it and we realise, you know, one bit might go too long or one bit can be doubled or... Let's change this bit to whatever. Um, so I think it's really cool that we are able to do that during the writing process rather than rushing it all, cramming it just before recording, as has happened in the past. So, yeah, it's been been a good year. Yeah, hashtag feedback. And the other thing I like is that <laughs> uh, on the, let's say, the Triumph and Beyond stuff, and even Fortune Flame, we worked a lot on those demos and I got a little bit of what I would call demo-itis, where I like the demos, in many cases, more than what happened on the album. Oh, yeah. And this time, although it pisses me off that I just isolate a guitar track you've sent me and play along to it, and it's like sometimes so loose that I can't even play in time to it. <laughs> but I'm enjoying that there's nothing on there that I think can't be improved, if you know what I mean. Like every everything mm-hmm. on all of our demos... I deliberately leave a bit shit or you deliberately sort of leave something a bit fucked or whatever and we don't overwork it. So when it comes to recording, it's like a whole new approach and anything we do will actually make the thing sound better instead of going, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, on the demo it had this cool thing we did and we didn't use that on the album and, you know, like we don't fuss too much. It's just, hey, it's here just so we can learn it as a band. Mm -hmm. End of starry. (laughs) Cool. End of podge. What song? We're all out, man. We need a new album. Maybe let's play um, a dissection song or something. Oh, can we do that? He's dead, man. <laughs> yeah, what a, What song? Any song off any album. What would you put on? Uh, I'd go something off Storm of the Light Spain. Possibly Retribution Storm of the Light Spain. Enjoy it. And we'll be back next week. Uh, maybe with a new sponsor. Something by the name of 457 Hot Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>